Welcome to Morning Devotion with Ken Gurley. Devotions designed to inspire you on your daily walk with God. Here's your host, Ken Gurley. Hey, good morning, everybody. Welcome. Welcome to this Thursday morning, January the 21st. And so thankful for each of you. And what a great subject we have for today. I believe you're going to leave strengthened, encouraged, challenged to step forward and do great things for God because we are living in challenging days and we must rise to that challenge. Amen. So thank you, Lonnie, Carol, Alicia, Sandra. I think you were the first one I saw on this morning. Kenneth, Vicki, thank you. Thank you for making this a priority in your day. And let's just see the good things that are going to happen. So, you know, you know, this crazy drill that we do. Uh, let's see. What are you supposed to do? Uh, follow the page, like the page, share the page, and et cetera, et cetera. So Thursday, January 21, we are in day 11 of 21 days of prayer. And we welcome each of you. Our subject today is take heart, victory over the fifth giant. I awakened early this morning. And that word five just kept speaking to me. I, 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 and, I, and I thought, well, I can speak on the number five. There's a lot of fives in the Bible. I mean, five, after all, is the number of grace in the Bible. There are five primary types of offerings in the Old Testament, five major sections to the psalm, the five books of the law that have their counterpart in the New Testament in the Gospels, plus the fifth Gospel of Acts, the New Testament Pentateuch. Uh, the Apostle John wrote five books centered on God's grace. Five, the most common number used in the measurements of the tabernacle. I mean, I can do this. I can talk about five. But God checked my heart. And it's just as if he told me that's not what I'm looking for. That's not what I'm wanting you to share. And and so I just kept exploring. I looked at the fivefold ministry, didn't feel that, came up dry. And so I went back and I read today's devotion from the book of prayer, the book on prayer, How's the Fire, and the importance of a passionate heart. And as I read that chapter, I, I couldn't help but think what I would have added had I written it now. What I would have put into that chapter and that devotion to address where we are right now, how the trials of this life have cooled the hearts and the fires. People have lost their sizzle. Now, that's not a Bible word, but you get what I mean. They're serving up prayers cold. There's no true prayer ascending like incense from many people's hearts. They lose the desperation and the passion of being on fire for God. And somebody begin to Look at that prayer. A thought began to appear. And it's this thought. Take heart. Victory over the fifth giant. So I hope you enjoy this. David, Alan, Deborah, Wyvet, thank you. Thank you. You make this special. And I feel today to inspire you, not give you a rah-rah, not to lead a, to cheerlead. Now that'd be a funny sight, wouldn't it? Not to hype you up. Inspire means to breathe life into. As you blow on a small ember of flame, I, I try to do the same. I don't pretend that it's my words, my breath. I believe it's the cumulative effort of what we're doing. 
But I do notice that as Ezekiel preached to that valley of dry bones, as he breathed over them, that the breath and the wind of God began to blow and there was a stirring and there was a shaking that somehow as we breathe life, the spirit of life shows up. And that's what we need. We need inspiration. We need the breath of God to blow across our souls and the embers and the sparks come back to life and our prayers get fervent or white hot, white hot before God. Cold prayers are vain prayers. They're worthless prayers. They're empty. They're devoid of power to ascend into heaven. And here on day 11, we need to be reminded God hears desperate prayers, fiery prayers, passionate prayers. Did not our hearts burn within us? That was the question asked by the two on the Emmaus Road on Resurrection Day. Their hearts burned. They were set on fire. So take heart. Be set aflame. Be illuminated with the presence of God. Now, in this uncertain day, in this season of adversity and confusion, take heart. I'm drawn to the moment when a man after God's own heart, David, raced across the Valley of Elah to face that giant, a shepherd boy turned warrior, a harp player became giant slayer. However you do the math on the word cubit, there's a lot of different thoughts. You can determine Goliath's height. If you use the standard 18 inches for cubits, Goliath was nine and a half feet tall. If you use the 21 inches per cubit, he was some 11 feet tall. He was tall taller than David by far. His armor weighed 125 pounds. The blade of his spear, 15 pounds. I doubt if David's slingshot weighed a pound, even with the five smooth stones. Goliath struck fear in the hearts of Israel. They hid in their trenches. That's a pandemic message, isn't it? Everybody, fear has forced us into the trenches. But David brought down the giant that represented fear. We know he took five smooth stones from the brook for his slingshot. He only needed one. It's all he needed. Just needed one. But nothing is without significance in scripture. Why did David choose five stones? Because there was more than one giant. Oh, yes, there was. In 2 Samuel 21, we read that there were four that were born to the giant in Gath and fell by the hand of David and by his servant. Goliath had four relatives, giants as well. Did David know that? Did David know that when he picked up those five stones? Did he think, I'm going to pick up one of the giants, I got four more, and I'm going to have to fight as well? In some way, it was significant. He picked up five smooth stones, and we serve a more than enough God, a God who is able to give us sufficient grace for the year of 2021, because there's some giants out there that you and I are going to face. And we're going to face them and we are facing them right now. Don't you know that giants have always confronted the people of God? One of the Hebrew words for giant is Nephilim. It hails way back in human history, all the way back, I guess, to Genesis 6 with that very mysterious passage of scripture where the sons of God married the daughters of men and there were giants, Nephilim, in the land, some sort of superhuman offspring with immense power. I'll leave it to all the conspiratorial theorists to to figure that one out. When Israel entered the promised land, though, they said, we've seen the giants, the Nephilim. We've seen giants in the land were just grasshoppers in their signs. There's never been a time, you hear me carefully, 
that a miracle has not been guarded by a giant. There has never been an awakening in our country that was not initially overshadowed by towering trouble and trials. Every open door has many adversaries. I want to go through the five giants. All are Philistines. That means they didn't belong in the land. They were encroaching on the land that wasn't theirs. They didn't hold title to the promised land. It was promised to the children of God. Four of the five giants have names, and all of them represent a challenge you and I face. Now, I'm going to rely on a list. I believe it came from the basic youth conflicts that I came across many years ago. Well, when I was a youth, you can find these five giants in First and Second Samuel. My wife is going to help me with this. I, I shared a little information. She's going to post some stuff. So, Tess, do the first one. The first giant was Goliath. The first giant, you and I know that, it was Goliath. Goliath, Goliath had um, a power over God's people. His power over God's people is he would come out there, he would step up, he would shout, and all of Israel cowered in fear. You see, Goliath represents the giant of fear that you and I must face. David, that means beloved of God defeated that giant. Yeah. Perfect love cast out fear. But there would come a day that David grew weak in battle. He was sidelined. But his previous victory over that first giant motivated those close to him. And we started, we start reading of other giants beginning to fall. These five smooth stones for five giants. The second giant was Ishbamidab. Ishbamidab means I dwell in the heights. It indicates pride and the smooth stone that brought him down. The instrument in God's hand was Abishai, David's nephew. His name means I'm shorter than everybody else. I like that. He stands for humility. And in the battle of life, Ishbabinah, pride, I'm bigger than anybody else. It's going to be brought down by humility. And I, I just need to stop and just tell you something right now. Don't you ever forget that evil always overplays its hand. Evil always goes too far. And yes, there is. Yes, it is. And you just get ready for that. The second giant falls. The third giant. The third giant is called Saph or Scipii. Two different names. Same root word. It represents hypocrisy. Hypocrisy, that's a giant we've got to face, saying one thing, living another. But how is that giant brought down? Sibichai slew him. His name means I've been illuminated with light and revelation. The only cure for hypocrisy is getting transparent before God. Oh, that's a good one, too. But, but I'm not here to talk about the first, second, or third giant. I'm not even here to talk about the fourth giant. The fourth giant's name was Lami. It means my bread, my war. Emphasis can be laid on the my, my. Lami is the giant of selfishness in whatever form. We call selfishness of the flesh, lust, selfishness of finances, greed, selfishness of food, gluttony. What brought, what brought him down? What brought Lami down? What brought selfishness down? Elhanan did. It means God's grace, that graciousness destroys selfishness, that the grace of giving, the grace of sacrifice, 
but my attention is on the fifth giant. And it's the only one of the five that doesn't have a name. It's this fifth and final giant. It just gives me pause. And it's where I felt directed of the Holy Ghost this morning. He's said to be from Gath. Of course, that's Goliath's hometown. Gath means the crushing, the crushing. And he's the last giant fought, the fifth and final giant. First Chronicles 20 and 6 says there was, again, war at Gath. And there was a man of great stature. This guy had 24 fingers and toes, six appendages on each hand, six on each foot. And he was also born to a giant. He was a giant and the son of a giant, six. Six appendages on each hand and foot. Six is the number of man. Two feet, two hands, four is the number of the world. It represents the crushing stress you and I are going to face in the last days. The first giant was fear. And the fifth giant will be an overwhelming discouragement. If you notice that the nine fruit of the spirit begins with love and ends with goodness, these giants represent the works of the flesh. And they start with fear and they end with discouragement. Because when we fear and we allow fear to take root in our lives, it's going to end up causing us wanting to give up. And that is a message we need to hear today. And we need help and we, we, we need to take heart and we need victory over the giant, that fifth giant, that unnamed giant of discouragement. Take heart means to take courage. Lose heart means to be discouraged. We can't afford to be discouraged in our world today. While everyone is focused on coronavirus and everyone is focused on politics, we should pay a special attention to this fifth giant, the giant of discouragement. It is a far greater epidemic, far greater pandemic, uh, because no one is immune to this. It's universal. It covers everyone. It's chronic. It's recurring. You don't defeat it once and it's over. It's going to come back again and again, and it's highly contagious. Uh, discouragement spreads uh, by casual contact. One email, one look, one social media post, one blog, one text message, one discouraging word can run like wildfire. The fifth giant is alive and well in this present darkness. Uh, sometimes our disappointment, it comes from without people attacking us, people agitating us. You remember what uh, happened when Nehemiah was building that wall? His critics used two lines of offense to discourage him. The first was ridicule, and don't you doubt the enemy wants to ridicule you. They said, this wall's so weak, if a fox runs across it, it's going to fall. Who do you think you are building a wall? If you haven't done this before, ha, 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 scoffing, mockery, ridicule, we're living in that day. It's an effective weapon. Ridicule can cause people to walk away from a God-given destiny and promise. The second line of offense they used was repression doing whatever it took to block, to block what God was doing, to resist, to hinder, uh, like, like those enemies of Isaac, to fill the wells with dirt. 
Warren Wearsby once wrote, God's people some have sometimes have difficulty working together, but the people of the world have no problem uniting in opposition to the work of God. Ridicule and repression, that's what the enemy's doing on the outside. But the enemy also wants to gain access to our minds, to our spirit. He wants to get under your skin. When does it happen? It happens several times. When you're, def- when you're fatigued, you can get discouraged. When you're overwhelmed, you can get discouraged. When you're frustrated, you can get as- discouraged. It's an old story. The devil had an auction. He said, everything I got is for sale. All my tricks of the trade, all my cunning devices, all my knowledge, everything but one instrument, an unusually shaped device, a tool, a long lever with a curved slender blade. He called it the tool of discouragement. With it, he said, I can prize open a person's heart. And once discouragement enters the inner man, the enemy said, then I can bring anything I want to in his life. Oh, that wickedness is born of discouragement. Discouragement will redefine who you are and who you think you are. You, you, you talk about what life used to be like back then, back when, yesterday, and you lose sight of what God is doing and wants to do in your present world. Many of us, many of us are facing this giant right now. And up until this moment, you couldn't put a name on it. You couldn't identify why you were feeling the way you are. But it's the fifth giant. It's the final giant. It's going to be the battle of your life in this post-pandemic world. And what's your answer? Your answer is Jonathan. It was Jonathan that slew the gift of discouragement. Jonathan is that powerful gift of God. It's a gift that will give you the victory over disappointment. Do you remember that I said all the giants are Philistines? It means they don't have title in this land. They don't own the land. You got to realize this. You were not made to coexist with fear. You were not made to coexist with pride, hypocrisy, selfishness, and you were certainly not made to over to coexist with discouragement. They need to be evicted and kicked out of the land. God will give you the victory. Jonathan's name, God has given. You already have the means of your disposal to awaken a giant within you that can conquer the giant of discouragement, to release power, fire, and passion in your prayers here on day 11. The more you say and the more you pray, God, you've given me the strength and authority. You've given me my true identity. I am your child. And the more you affirm who you are in the Lord, the more your behavior begins to change and you become who you need to be. Someone said, if you don't know who you are, read the first two chapters of Ephesians. You open that book and you start claiming your identity, you ought to pray some of the promises of Ephesians 1 and Ephesians 2. Uh, Ephesians 1, I'm called a saint. I am called faithful. I have 
grace from God. I have been blessed with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. I've been chosen in him before the foundation of the world. Yeah, I'm only to verse four of Ephesians one. I have been made holy in him. I have been made blameless in him. I am loved by God. I'm still only to verse four. Now verse five, I've been adopted into his family according to his good pleasure. I am accepted in the beloved. I've been redeemed through his blood. I have forgiveness of sins. I have an inheritance. I am sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. I've been raised together with Christ Jesus. I've been made to sit in heavenly places. I am his workmanship, his poema, his masterpiece. I'm created to do good works. I've been foreordained to walk in good works. You know, the giant of discouragement only wins when you give up on who you are. You are Jonathan, a God-given child of the Most High King. Somebody give it up for the Lord, Don and Christy and Janice. Just give it up for the Lord. I love this story. I love this story. On September 13, 1945, a ticker tape parade was held in New York City for a 98-pound former prisoner of war. His name was General Jonathan Wainwright, only U.S. general captured by the enemy during the Second World War. He had been left in charge of Corregidor on the Bataan Peninsula of the Philippines. When the enemy attack was so destructive, Wainwright was surrendered what was left of the U.S. forces. So began the Bataan Death March. Thousands of POWs sent to prison camps all over Asia. Wainwright was sent from camp to camp as a prize of war. By the time the war was over, he was in Mongolia. His body deteriorated, wasted away. He labored under tremendous guilt. He felt like a failure. What he didn't know was the war of the Pacific was already over. Allied forces under MacArthur had already won. Outside that camp, that prison camp, everything had changed. Inside, nothing has changed. Uh, They were still, they were liberated, but they still lived behind bars. They just didn't know. Finally, word arrived. Japan has surrendered. And with that knowledge, a 98-pound general named Wainwright limped all the way to the commandant's office, opened the door and said without even raising his voice, my commander-in-chief has defeated your commander-in-chief. You must surrender to me. On the decks of the USS Missouri, when General MacArthur signed the surrender papers, if you look at that classic photo, you're going to see that 98-pound general standing beside him without firing a shot. A person, a 98-pound person who thought he was a failure, took charge because the truth finally came out. You know what Satan's greatest fear is? is the day you're going to realize through Christ, you are far mightier than him. It worries me that so many so-called prayer warriors get lost in darkness and name devils and demons and get so lost in the dark world. Don't you know 
that the name of Jesus has all authority over the enemy, that greater is he who is in you and me than he that is in the world. The only name you need to know is the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, who has given us the victory. We are more than, we may be 98 pound weaklings, uh, but we are more than conquerors. Maybe you've lived in a sense of discouragement, hopelessness, as that general did. But, oh, general, don't you know your four star awaits you when you get home? You may have been viewed yourself as a failure, but others saw you as a victor. Don't you know that there's a ticker tape parade awaiting each and every one of you? That there is a mighty cloud of witnesses. Maybe you're punishing self, yourself. Maybe you're believing the enemy's lie. But our commander in chief has triumphed over each and every giant you're facing. You look to him and you're going to hear your new march. You're in charge now. Set the captive free. Five smooth stones mean you've got all the grace you need to claim victory. So today, what could happen in our lives if we realize we're already the champion, that the war has already been won, and that all you have to do is step forward into the victor's circle and say, I know this is a struggle. I know I'm going through a time, but I have the victory through the Lord Jesus Christ. How would it change your life if you already knew you won? Folks, you've won. Just stand forward and claim that victory. Take victory today over that fifth giant, that giant of discouragement, crushing disappointment, crushing discouragement, that crushing discouragement today, wherever you're at in this morning devotion, whenever you are listening to this devotion, you say, I've got the victory. I claim the victory. Giant, you've got to fall. I love this behind me. Giant, you're falling. You are falling. This is a checkmate. It's over. I've got the victory, and each and every day I'm going to claim that victory, and I'm going to live in victory. Oh, praise God. Praise God. May God give you, may God give you an encouragement. May you take heart and claim victory over discouragement today, over that fifth and final giant. May the Lord be with you today. Thank you for being a part of this morning devotion. Share this with others. Encourage one another. We're going to get through this together. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to Morning Devotion with Ken Gurley. Join us next time for another inspiring devotion. To support this ministry, please visit firstchurch.com forward slash give.